All right, so we're finishing up a series called The Good Place, and we've been talking about heaven and hell and everything in between, which is nothing, because there's nothing in between heaven and hell. There's only heaven and hell. So in week one, we talked about uh, first you die. In week two, we talked about hell. We had originally scheduled it for Mother's Day last week. (laughs) Decided not to do that. So last week on Mother's Day, we talked about heaven, and, uh, and today, we're going we're gonna to answer this really basic question about heaven, aren't most people going there? And so we thought, what, what's a good way to end? You know, we've given you all the details, all the information on death, a biblical understanding of death and of, of hell, which is a real place. Jesus talked about it quite a bit. And we talked last week about heaven and what it's like, and hopefully you've got some of your misconceptions about heaven straightened out. I know I did, because I used to think of heaven as this just white, clean, white-walled place, and everyone's wearing white, and then I realized that that sounds like an insane asylum. And, and I, as I started to read God's Word, I realized that's actually not a picture of heaven. Heaven is awesome and beautiful and full of color and better than you can ever imagine. And so we talked about all that last week. So again, if you need any of this, if you want to review any of this or go over it again or do it with a group or a mentor or with your family, those resources are online. The series is called The Good Place. But we're going to finish by answering this question, aren't most people going to heaven? Because I think that's that's kind of what our culture says. You know, if there's a heaven, and most people don't really believe, like really believe that there's a heaven because I think they would live differently if they did. I mean, I really think that's true. If you really, truly believe there was a heaven, you would live differently. You, would, you wouldn't live for earth, you would live for another place. If you, if you, if you truly believe that there was a heaven, I, I want to challenge you with that. That's kind of been the theme of this whole series, is if you understand heaven and hell, if you understand eternity, then it'll change the way you live in the meantime, right now. And I, and I want to challenge you to live like heaven is a real place. And, and this, last, this last sermon's a great way to end, because we're answering this question, aren't most people going there? Some of you for some of you, this series has been timely, or maybe even it's been a little bit hard because you might be going through a, a loss in the family. Maybe you recently lost someone in the family. And I've noticed as I've taught in this series that people, are, people get emotional on, in, in these last few weeks more than, more than uh, most sermons because I think because they're dealing with real stuff. And, and we do, we've, I've spent a lot of time in hospitals praying with families and helping them and then, when it, but when it hits your family, it's different. It, when it comes close to home, now it becomes real. And it actually hit our family just this week. Just this week, my, my, wife, uh, my wife's grandmother, had, she had had hip surgery and they had worn, she's in her 90s, they said, hey, she might not come out of this, but we gotta try it anyway. And, and so sure enough, she had hip surgery and, um, and she, never, she never really came, she never could come off of uh, the vents you know, the, the machines. And so they've been kind of monitoring her, taking her off for a little bit, and her heart rate goes down. And so they notified the family. They said, hey, you know, she's, she's not going to make it. So that's hard. That's hard when you're dealing with it with your own family. And, uh, and Tracy's grandma is an amazing woman. In fact, we like to call her the matriarch of Alpine Church. Because I don't know if you knew, but when Tracy and I moved out here to Utah, 20 years ago to plant Alpine, we didn't, there wasn't a church backing us, there wasn't an, a denomination backing us. The people backing us were my family and her family. And most of them were her family. <laughs> and that means her grandma's kids, whom she all taught to give, I want you to hear this, 
This is a bonus message. Her, her grandma taught all of her kids, her, 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 Tracy's mom is her daughter, her oldest daughter. She taught all of her kids to give, and all of her kids have supported Alpine Church from day one. All of her kids. That's how we started. When we had a, with just a handful of families in our backyard in South Ogden, and we couldn't, we couldn't hardly rub two nickels together. And her, it was her, her family that sent us out here as missionaries to start Alpine Church, which has now grown, grown to nine campuses. Isn't that awesome? And, that, and so that, what a legacy that, that her grandmother is leaving. And so even though it's really hard, Grandma loves Jesus. And we know where she's going. We know that she's going to be in heaven. And so, so as sad as it is to go through a situation like that and to, and to think that you've got to make this terrible decision to turn off the machines and wait for her to slip into heaven, you know, it's still so joyful. And so Tracy's mom drove back and, and all, this, all the kids drove back and so many of the grandkids are in Indianapolis in that area where they're all from and, and they've been, this last week they've been around her bedside in the hospital room and when everyone was there, the doctors finally turned the machines off and, and they all gathered together and just started singing worship songs and praising Jesus with her. And she's unconscious, but we think she can hear us, you know? We believe she can hear us and that she's worshiping God and, and we're just like, we're just gonna make this transition into, into the Tracy's family singing praises and pretty soon she's gonna hear the angels singing praises in heaven. And it's going to sound different, trust me. <laughs> and so they pulled the plug and they, they waited there and they worshiped and they celebrated. And one hour passed and two hours passed and three hours passed. And she's a tough old bird. <laughs> we'll edit that out. And, um, and the doctors came in and looked at her vitals and they were like, like her vitals are stronger than they were when she was on the machine. <laughs> And Tracy's aunt was like, I think we have a Lazarus situation here. <laughs> and we can laugh about it. And we know that probably this is the week that she's going to go. That sometimes happens. You can't always guess how fast they go. But it's been so cool for me to watch her family. I've learned a lot from her family. But it's been so cool for me to watch her family deal with death. And it is so beautiful to deal with death when you know where they're going. It is, it is so different. The Bible says it like this. We're not like those who grieve without hope. We grieve. Grief is normal. Grief is right. We should grieve. There will be grieving. We're going to miss her. But we, we grieve with hope, which is so different than grieving without hope. And the reason we grieve with hope is because we understand what God's word says about where she's going. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Aren't most people going to heaven? That's what some people believe. Today we're going to look at John chapter 14. If you have a Bible or the Bible app, you can turn there. You don't have to because I'll have the main verse up on the screen here in a second. But I want to I read this before we get into this passage because I want you to understand um, where this verse, which is if there's one verse in the Bible that you should take away from this series on heaven and hell, this is the verse, John 14, 6. But before we get there, I want to read verses 1 through 5 so you can see where it came from. Jesus is talking to his disciples and in verse 1 he says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's what he starts with. I, I get this sense that it's kind of almost like a pastor next to the bedside and all the family's there and they're all worried and they're nervous for grandma. And Jesus is like, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now the truth is that he had just told them that he was the one dying. He had told them that he was gonna go to the cross and they weren't really ready for that. 
So they were thinking about death, that's for sure. They're thinking about his death, but there was so much more to it. But his answer to that was really, it was a great pastoral answer. Don't let your hearts be troubled, he said. Trust in God and trust also in me. He said, there is more than enough room in my father's home. We, we read this passage last week when we talked about heaven. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? He says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I love this. He's saying, I'm going to prepare a place. You look worried, don't be worried. You look concerned, don't be concerned. It's gonna be okay. Everything's under control. This is this, this figure who's got so much wisdom, so much peace. He is so like, Otherworldly. Jesus is so otherworldly. Like it's like Yoda on steroids, if you want to know what Jesus is like. He's like, he just knows everything. And he sees the disciples and they're worried because he said he's gonna die. And he's like, Don't worry, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, and and when it's ready, in other words, it's not ready yet, I'm gonna spend some time preparing it for you. That means it's gonna be awesome. He says, When it's ready, I'll come back and get you so that you can be where I am. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about how awesome heaven's gonna be. And then he says this next thing in verse, in verse four. He says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And you know the way to where I'm going. And this in verse five is where Thomas speaks up. Now most of us have heard of Thomas from the Bible. He's actually probably the most famous disciple. I know most, most Christians would say that Jesus is the most famous, Peter is the most famous disciple, but Peter's not because I guarantee you that, that you have neighbors who've never heard about Jesus who know Thomas because Thomas had a nickname. What was his nickname? Doubt. Doubt. See, you all knew Thomas. He's Doubting Thomas. We don't have a nickname for Peter. So Doubting Thomas has made it into modern day vernacular. We say, oh, he's a Doubting Thomas and people don't, maybe don't know where it comes from. It comes from Thomas, one of the disciples, And he got the nickname because when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he appeared to all the disciples except for Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. He missed the memo. And the disciples came and said, Jesus is alive. And Thomas is like, I'll believe it when I see it. So that's why they call him Doubting Thomas. Now, personally, I think he gets a bad rap. I think he's just skeptical Thomas. I think, I think, I actually think Thomas is a pretty good guy for not believing the disciples. He's not going to be suckered. It's, Thomas is one of the reasons I am so sure of my faith, because Thomas didn't believe, and I'm a skeptic too. I, I totally get that. And so when I hear something that doesn't seem right, people don't just rise from the dead three days later. When I hear something like that, I'm going to be like, mm, I, I'll believe it when I see it, just like Thomas. And by the way, Jesus appeared to Thomas, and then Thomas believed it. So he's not doubting Thomas anymore. But some of you are, in, are, are here today, maybe you've even come into this sermon series, and you kind of feel a little bit like you're still a little skeptical. Okay, you heard about death in a biblical perspective, you're like, meh. You heard about hell, eh. You You probably thought, that seems a little old-fashioned. Maybe last week you heard about heaven, you're like, eh, too good to be true. So that sounds like a construct made to make us feel better when grandma's dying. And if you feel that way, then I actually would say, ah, I, can, I can respect that. I totally can respect that because I'm skeptical too. 
And so Jesus is saying to them, hey, I'm going to die and I'm going I'm to I'm go, but I'm going away to a place that I'm preparing for you and I'll come back to get you and you'll be with me forever. And then he says, and you know the way to the place that I'm going. And all the disciples are like, yes, yes, we do. Like, just like all, you know, everyone in their first math class. You get it? Every, the teacher's like, everybody get that? Yes. Inside they're saying, no. <laughs> and so they're all going, Jesus is saying, you know, you know the place to where I'm going. And we're all like, yes, we do. That's right. We do know. I do. Peter's over there saying, I do know the place to where you're going. I'm a very smart person. I totally understand it. And Thomas said this. No, we don't, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I love it. It's so funny. I mean, Jesus has given this incredible pep talk. I'm going to, you know, he's talking. He's like, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. Peter's like, no, you'll never die. Jesus is like, yes, I will. He says, no, I rebuke you. And Jesus is like, I rebuke you. Get, be, get behind me, Satan. And, and Peter's like, I will never deny you. And he says, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows even once. And it was right after all that that he looks at them and they're all kind of deflated now. And he's like, hey, don't worry. I'm going to prepare a place for you. When it's ready, I'll come back to get you and you'll be, be with me forever. And you know the place to where I'm going. And Thomas is like, nope, sorry. What are you talking about? Like, this is all brand new to me. And some of you are here today saying, this is all brand new to me. And Thomas went on, he said, we have no idea where you're going. I don't know if maybe he said that and Peter like said, shut up, Thomas. But Thomas is like, no, we don't, Lord. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And again, I just want to applaud Thomas for his honesty. I love an honest person. I hate it when people have questions and they don't tell me they have questions and I say, do you get it? You, get, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I see where you're going. And clearly they don't understand because then I can't help them anymore. And if you're here today and you feel a little skeptical and you feel a little doubtful and you're not sure what you think about heaven and hell and everything we've been talking about, then I just want to say you are in the right place today. And I want you to pay attention to what Jesus says in the next verse. But before we read the next verse, I want to expose three myths in our culture and I want you to be honest about whether you buy into them. Or maybe you have bought into them in the past and you're now starting to rethink it. The, the first myth or the first bad idea is that all religions are basically the same. This is kind of what our culture would say. All religions are basically the same. But the truth is, if I had a Muslim and a Buddhist up here and we all believed in what we believed in and we debated one another, not a single one of us would, would agree that our religions are the same. That doesn't mean we'd be mean to each other or yell at each other or be bad people. Emotionally healthy people can disagree with others and not be a jerk about it. And I would like to think at least those two are emotionally healthy. But we would all definitely say, no, the Muslim faith is not the same thing as Christianity. And the Buddhist faith is not the same thing as Christianity. The truth is all religions are not basically the same. That is just logically incoherent. It just doesn't make sense. If I were to say to you, hey guys, party at my house after church today, and you said, great, how do I get there? Just take any road. It'll get you there. <laughs> You're good. You'd probably look at me and be like, are you sure about that? Pastor? Yeah, any road. All roads lead to my house. <laughs> just get on a road and start driving. You'd be a moron to believe that. 
All roads don't lead to my house and all religions don't lead to heaven. All religions are not basically the same. Here's the second bad idea that some people buy into. Well, all that really matters is one's sincerity. As long as you're sincere, that's really all that counts. Like, God's a good guy, if he is a guy, if there is a God. But what, just, what matters is that you really believe in what you believe in. Well, the truth is, sometimes the most sincere people are the wackos in their faith, Right? I know some really sincere people who call themselves Christians who I do not agree with at all down in the South. I'm not going to name any names, but there's some wacky Baptist, Westboro Baptist Church, I think it's called. Wait, I just said I wasn't going to name any names, but I just did. Those people are sincere, and they're nut jobs. And there are a lot of fundamental, I'm sorry, I'm just being honest here, okay? I'm showing you how sincere I am. (laughs) Just because you're sincere doesn't mean you're right. When I taught math, I taught that two plus two equals four. I am so sorry if I offend you by believing that two plus two equals four. But I happen to believe it's true, and it's kind of hard to teach math if I don't believe that's true. And if you were in my class and came up and fought for fought for a problem where you said two plus two equals five and you showed your work and you, you see, look, and you sincerely believe two plus two equals five, I'd just be like, sorry, it doesn't. You're wrong. Bless your heart. <laughs> Which is a Christian way of saying, what a moron. And I would just be like, bless your heart, two plus two equals four, okay? And it would, be, it would actually be wrong of me to not correct you. If I was like, yes, you seem, you really seem to be excited about two plus two equal five. So let's go ahead and let it equal five for you. And I made all the calculation adjustments in my, in my grading. Like I would be doing you a disservice, wouldn't I? Because eventually you're gonna go to another class where you're gonna realize it doesn't equal five. And if I told you two, that, all, that your sincerity is all that matters and just as long as you're really sincere, then when you stood before God someday and he would be like, sorry, you're wrong. Sincerity isn't what counts. Sincerity isn't really all that matters. And then the third bad idea, and so many people believe this, is that good people go to heaven. You know, we, we kind of have this, everyone just kind of has, I think most people have this, this idea of this, what we call the goodometer. Canadians call it the goodometer. Wait, the other way around. We call it the goodometer. Canadians call it the goodometer. It's a more sophisticated way of saying it. A goodometer is where it goes from like zero. So for you guys, it's from zero to 10. And 10 is a really, really good person. A really good person. And, and zero is like a really bad person. Like Hitler or Draymond Green. And, <laughs> and so I, I just really encourage you to think about where are you on the, on the good-o-meter? Where would you put yourself on the good-o-meter? And you, you, you might kind of think about it. Most of us are like, oh, kind of, uh, probably somewhere in the middle there. But let me just give you, let me just give you one person who's on the goodometer. Saint Mother Teresa is is an eight on the goodometer. So now, where are you on the goodometer? In fact, a great little exercise on your way home today is to tell your spouse where your spouse is on the goodometer. <laughs> and we'll have a hotline to call for marriage counseling afterward. 
I, I, I started watching the show The Good Place, which is what we named this series after on Netflix. I watched the first, the first episode. It was actually hilarious. And the, the whole idea is The Good Place, some people call it heaven, but it's, God calls it The Good Place and The Bad Place, that The Good Place, is, is, it is like really, really hard to get into The Good Place. And most people go to The Bad Place. And that's really interesting because that's actually true. That's actually biblical. The Bible, Jesus said the, the road to, to the bad place is broad and many people go there and the road to the good place is very narrow and very few people get there. So that much is true. I don't know that the rest of it is theologically accurate. But I love what Kristen Bell says in it in the first episode. She's kind of the main character. She's like, I'm just a medium person. Can't there be a medium place? Like Cincinnati? I love it. And so many people if they, on the goodometer, they would put themselves in, in the medium slot, somewhere probably between, I don't know, five and seven, right? Maybe four and seven. And I think that's how most of us think. And so, so then most of us think that, that well, God will cut, cut me some slack. And I mean, I just, as long as I'm like, like, a, like really bad, I think most people in their, in their hearts, they were like, now I think it makes sense that really bad people go to hell. But like everyone else should go to Cincinnati, you know? We should all kind of go to this medium place. You have that idea? Is that how you think about it? Well, the truth is this, that Jesus provides the only way, truth, and the life to heaven. And it comes from verse 6. Remember, we're, we're back to John 14, where Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's talking about the good place. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And it's not ready yet, but when it's ready, I'm going to come back and get you, and you're going to be with me where I am forever, which is really cool. And he says, and don't worry, you know the way. And Thomas said, no, we don't know the way. And so Jesus responded to Thomas with this in verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, some of you might know this verse. It's, it's a, one of my favorite verses. I love this verse. It is so clear. It is so to the point. And Jesus is, is giving this answer to a skeptic who didn't really know the way. And Jesus is being gracious. He's being very specific but he's being gracious to Thomas by giving him a very direct and clear answer. And I want to break it down for a few minutes as we close this series. Jesus says, I am the way. He didn't say, we are the way. Your goodness, your six plus my four. He didn't say, together, you and me together, you working really hard trying to be a good person and me being perfect. He said, no, I am the way, not we are the way. And he uses this, this definite article, the, instead of the indefinite article, a. Uh. He doesn't say, I am a way, one of many ways. He says, and it's in the Greek, he says, I am the way. There's one way, I'm it. Jesus is saying the only way to get to heaven is through him. That's a very exclusive thing to say. But it's exactly what Jesus taught. And Jesus said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I'm a truth. I am one opinion among many opinions. 
You can have your truth, I have my truth. We can all have our truths. Everyone should just live their own truth. (laughs) 20 years ago, we called that an opinion. Today, we're calling it a truth. You live your truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. Jesus says, two plus two equals four. Sorry, that's how it is. It's not gonna change. There's one truth, and he is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth. And then he says, and I am the life. In John 10, a few chapters before this, Jesus had said, I am, he says, I have come to, that you might have life and have it to the full. I want you to have a full, abundant, rich, meaningful, satisfying life. That's what I came for. Jesus says, I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. If you're here today, I want to just ask you one simple question. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Because if you have, then just like Tracy's grandma, your family could celebrate around your bed. Celebrate, even though it's sad when you're gonna go. They can celebrate because they know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you're going because of Jesus, not because of you. And if you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are in a very precarious position. I wanna do something that I think would be totally wrong for me not to do at the end of this series. I wanna pray today to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ if you've never done it. Some of you are here today and maybe you say, well, I grew up in church. That's not what I'm asking. I didn't ask if you grew up in church. Some of you say, well, I've gone to church since your backyard. I've gone to Alpine since then, or I've, been, I've gone to Leighton Campus since Jared started it. 10, how many years ago? 11 years ago. That's not the question we're asking. The question I'm asking is, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Some of you young people say, well, my parents are Christians and have brought me to church my whole life. That's not the question Jesus is going to ask you. You can't get to heaven on the coattails of your parents. Some of you husbands in here are saying, I, I go to church faithfully with my wife. I'm a good husband. That's not what I'm asking. Your wife's, your wife's faith isn't going to save you. The Bible says that someday everyone's going to give account for their own decisions, for their own faith. Young people, I want you to hear this, but old people, I want you to hear this too, because you're closer. <laughs> I'm just being truthful here. Truth hurts. We're all going to be that grandma or grandpa in that bed someday if we're lucky to make it that far. And is it going to be a celebration for you? Or are people going to be like, I wonder? You don't have to wonder. The only way to salvation, the only way is through Jesus Christ. If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, if you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, then the Bible says in a moment, we call it your faith moment, your defining moment of faith. The Bible says in a moment you can know where you're going to be in a moment. You don't have to live with anxiety and fear. You don't have to live wondering if you've done enough, if you're a good enough person. You don't have to wonder where you are on the goodometer. The Bible says if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're a new person. And your eternity is sealed. And if you're here today and you're like, I'm not sure if I've done that, then I want to invite you to do it today. If you're here today and you say, I know I haven't done it, I definitely want you to do it today. And all it it requires is truly believing that Jesus is Lord and Savior and repenting of your sins and saying, I receive what you did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. The Bible says you'll be saved 
and your eternity will be sealed. Would you bow and pray with me today and close your eyes? And if you want to pray that prayer, young people, husbands, wives, older folks in here, anyone, if anyone wants to pray that prayer, I want you to pray this in your heart along with me. You don't have to pray it out loud, but God will hear it. Pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead to prove that you have power over death and hell and the grave. And today, Lord Jesus, I accept your forgiveness. Thank you for your salvation. I recognize that I am broken and cannot do it myself. And I trust in you today to save me. Thank you for the promise of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.